You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music! I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Shannon Hughes, OmniGraphle engineer. Say hello, Shannon. Hello, Shannon. So we have a question from a listener, uh, in fact, um, an Omni employee who has previously been on the show, Andrea McFitty, a designer. And she asks, how was the French toast today? The French toast was awesome. It was, it was the standard thick slices of cinnamon bread, and there was berry compote, and there was even fresh whipped cream in a bowl today. Like a huge, giant amount of it, too. I yeah. saw that. I'm like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Big, billowy, yeah, yeah, scoops of whipped cream. Yeah. True. So, but the, the thing about it is you don't often get to have a French toast. You are our pioneer remote employee, otherwise known as our first robot. <laughs> yes, first exactly. First robot. Yes. I enjoyed the French toast for several years uh-huh. and was sad to leave it. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be visiting it right yeah. now. Yeah, good. <laughs> Good. So I think we've probably talked about the robots on the show before. Mark, have we talked about robots? Mark I think nods. So. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, but for anyone who missed it, they're, they are telepresence robots. They have yeah. wheels and a stalk and then a, a TV thing and a camera up top. Yep. So, like, uh, meetings and stuff, you're, you're there. Yeah, I get to, um, like, walk myself to the. Yeah, well, sometimes I need an escort. Slowly roll. Very yeah. slowly, sometimes. One of them moves faster than the other. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it's. <laughs> do you do you fight for who gets uh, to actually, log in for, first? For the most part, I think that we are very generous, and whoever signs in first takes the slower one, so that the person who's running late can have the faster one. Wow! So you, that's why you both run late all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need escorts at the elevators because we can't press any buttons. Oh sure, yeah. Um, I've picked so. up. I'm sure both of those robots a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you have. It's, it's really fun when we run into other tenants of the building in the <laughs> elevator and they, they clearly would like to ask about the robot, but you can't talk to other people in elevators. There's no etiquette for this yet. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah I guess that overrides no talking to other people. <laughs> <laughs> so how's that working though? I mean, Omni is, we've always been at everybody's here company for 25 years or whatever, but now... We have uh, a couple remote people. Is, yeah. is that working out pretty well for you? It is working out pretty well. I mean, the, the Omni has been really generous and helpful and supportive in making that switch. I do really miss being at the office. I mean, I think there's there's just that intangible camaraderie and the, the chance to have random conversations that sure, you, yeah. you, you can somewhat have in company chat rooms, but mm-hmm. isn't quite the same as being in person. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's been working quite well. The robots cool. have helped a lot. Cool. The robots... Uh, Listeners may recall were purchased with extra points or something on our American Express card. Or free robots. Free That's robots. That's what I was told. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Two free or robots. Or as good as free. <laughs> <laughs> so you started here at Omni in 2014, one week before me. So you were like the new person. For yep. For one week. week. Yeah. <laughs> I think I managed maybe a few weeks. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, uh, that was fast. It was it was cool. You go straight to OmniGraphle team or were you on? I did. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and I have no idea, but nobody ever told me why they put me on OmniGraphle, but just, I was really happy to be there. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Ha- had you worked with Graphle or um, apps of that nature, Illustrator? Apps of that before? nature, yeah. yeah. I used Illustrator a little bit. Not Graphle mm-hmm. itself, but now I do. 
In other words, you're not, you weren't a stranger to visual Not a total problems. stranger, yeah, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I did a lot of visual art in high school and have kept doing that somewhat as a hobby. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So we have another question from a Omni, Omnizen, Omniite. Dave Messant, who's the prime minister of OmniFocus, <laughs> told me to ask you about rectangles. Yeah. Uh, while I'm here on the site visit, uh, we had a we had an hour and a half meeting about rectangles yesterday. Mm. It was very productive. Okay. We've had a lot of rectangles running around our code, and we kind of simplified it down to five. Five that we think we really need. Yeah. Okay. For All each right. for each graphic. We need to know more. We need to know more. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the because I've got just the one <laughs> rectangle in my head. Yeah. You're probably imagining like a rectangle on the canvas, like, like yeah, like the shape on the canvas mm-hmm. is a rectangle. But we can have lines, and we can have random bezier shapes, and we can have defined shapes like stars and stuff like that. Sure, not and rectangles. Not rectangles. Yeah, but they all can fit within a rectangle. Each yes. shape can fit within a rectangle. An enclosing rectangle. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. So we have the rectangle that is the definition of where that shape belongs on the canvas. Mm-hmm. That's one rectangle. Okay. Probably the most basic rectangle. And then uh, you can apply rotations to graphical shapes. I don't know if you've ever done that. Not yet. It's pretty I'm fun. I'm just learning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and when you do that, then you know a rotated rectangle has yet another rectangle that can enclose it. Okay. So that's the second and rectangle. And it might be taller or thinner or whatever uh, than the original. Usually it's, it's bigger. Bigger I, I'd say somehow. Usually it's, uh, Must be Don't bigger. ask me hard questions. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Anyway, I'd say usually it's bigger. Um, you can also add, you know, stroke styles to your outline of your shape Mm -hmm. and we have different settings for that. You can center your stroke on the outline of the shape or you can have it be an outer stroke or an inner stroke. Mm -hmm. An inner stroke would fit inside the rectangle we've already talked about, right? But if you have a centered or an outer stroke, the drawing of the stroke actually goes outside that rectangle by a bit, Mm. depending on how wide your stroke is. So we have the rectangle that encloses all of the things that could draw associated with that shape. Okay. Which can also include shadows, so it could be a much bigger box. So how many are we up to? Four or five? This rectangles. is the third. third We're talking about the third okay. one, yeah. Right. Then the fourth one, right, because you're interacting with these shapes on our canvas, we have to show you what's selected, mm-hmm. including like points, because you can edit your Bezier shapes. Okay. So if you've selected uh, a shape, it'll have a blue highlight around it, mm-hmm. which will be, yet again, a little bit bigger right, that yeah. we have to show. And we also show the little handles, the square right. handles that you can drag to make the shape a different size you know, so that we can redraw the screen. Mm-hmm. So that if you're resizing the thing, we, we don't end up with little bits of the oh, old okay. handles right. dragging along in a trail from where you... I, f- I fixed that bug before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and points, Bezier points get really crazy because okay. you can have the red handles can go way, way, way outside the box of oh, huh. where right, the, of the shape draws. But we also don't want that dirtying up the screen after you've finished editing. That's a lot of rectangles. And then the fifth rectangle is the union of the All of the those. drawing sh- rectangle and the handles rectangle. Okay. I never would have thought about any of that. Yeah. 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 I'm amazed. We've been thinking about it for a long time and we finally had a really good meeting and you hashed it out. You finally figured out these are the five rectangles. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some of them are clearly defined entirely by the file. Mm-hmm. Right. But then others of them are dynamic based on what you're doing on the screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, I could go on. Like I said, we talked for an hour and a half. But yeah. <laughs> you might want to talk about other things. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's pretty exciting. 
So back to Andrea McVitie, designer here. More questions from Andrea. Mm -hmm. She asks, what's your favorite type of problem to solve? I think I really like solving visual problems where I can like really see directly on the screen in a visual way the effect of the code that I'm changing. It's especially fun if that's just obvious in the app, but it's also fun to have to like add some debugging code to draw some rectangles. <laughs> uh-huh, right, yeah. It's <laughs> Maybe all different rectangles. colored rectangles. Yeah. Maybe some flashing rectangles for yeah. things that are changing. See, I've time. done that, you know, orange and purple and the green yeah. one over here. I've never done flashing though. Yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah, for things that like have to update over mm-hmm. time, you want it to go away so you can see the new one mm-hmm. coming on. Yeah. Cool. So I, f- I find that fun. I think I'm a pretty visual person. Uh-huh. And then I also really like problems where you kind of like get into it and you realize, oh, there's this entire system behind the curtain Mm. that I have to figure out and understand Uh before I can really solve this problem. Mm. Okay. So I think that's where, like, I really dug into some undo bugs shortly after I got here. That's good because nobody else knows to probably. <laughs> oh, there's I got undo some is, I got some good advice from some some yeah, okay. old timers here. Yeah. Yeah. Undo is tough territory though. It, it is, is, but it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because especially like once you start to think about it as a stack of actions that are being put on and then taken off mm-hmm, in reverse right. order, and you also have to you, you can group them up so that they appear. anyway. It's just it's interesting because yeah, different. Sure. You want it to undo in a way that is logical for what the user experienced as the the commands that they were giving the program. Right, sure. And that is not always the way the computer experienced it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we have to kind of give it hints and, and make sure that we don't uh, don't screw that up. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Did you happen to see anything about Will Shipley's thing with undo and git? No. Hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll link to it in the, in the show notes. It okay. was just an interesting take. The idea is, is that your document could be a Git repository. And undo just means reverting your changes that and then going back through the through would the be whole brilliant. Thing. And then essentially <laughs> on, on every every time you just you redo your entire object model and display the screen. You know? Yeah. And it would work back through runs of the app if the document's actually a yeah, that's a, a cool idea. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It would. Yeah, I think there was there was a there was a dub dub talk at some point about making undo kind of kind of like that. They weren't yeah, talking about okay. actually using Git, but hmm. but having basically just one thing that could be undone, which was hmm. the setting of your model. Yeah, right. And I thought about it for some types of apps that would just utterly not work at all. Take an RSS reader, for instance. You couldn't redo the model that way because it's constantly getting data in from the internet mm. and so it's not a set of user actions that you can add or, or subtract it's that and syncing and mm-hmm. all these other things which immediately made me go ah, damn i wish i could <laughs> do that because it would be cool but yeah so you so you don't you don't pull in all the changes from a sync in one swoop that would always be coming between user actions that could be separated Right, yeah. A sync is often several network commands, and okay. things are happening with each call. And yeah. and the user's, like, mucking with things in right. between. Right. So, so, well, for instance, say you marked something as red, and then did a sync, and then went to undo mark as red. You won't want to be rewinding a repository or whatever all the mm-hmm. way back, because then that right. would lose that sync, right? Yeah. So you can't just treat it as a, a linear system for some apps. But for Graffle... 
which is cool. Yeah. Andrea also asks uh, about the role of developers in helping to shape the ethical landscape of technology. I think that's a great question. It's something I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have personally run into major issues with that. I think Omni is really careful as a company to be oh, very, yeah. very ethical with its customers' data. But I do think it's it's something that we should all be thinking about. Mm. I read some articles about it. Yeah, think about yeah. it. Yeah, I feel I feel lucky that it, it's not like I, I don't feel like I have to stand up and go on a crusade about trying to prevent people from doing something that right, sounds sure. sketchy. Yeah, because yeah, it's just not a thing here. No, it's really not. I mean, I've we've been in meetings where we're like, it, it might be nice to know just on an aggregate basis, like how many people actually interact with this screen, mm-hmm. and we we usually back away from even collecting that level of, yeah. of anonymized data, which is, you know, it's great. You're safe. You're safe in our hands, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So what you've done then is just choose a great place to work. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So rewinding long before you got into rectangles at this deep and strange level, you were a kid and, <laughs> and well, you had ago. a computer at home? We did. Was yep. it a Mac? No. I know. I feel like I might be the first person on the podcast that that's true. You're not. You're not. Okay. My first Mac was was after I had graduated from college. All right. What did you have at home? um, What did I have at home? I was going to tell you about my first Mac. I know. We'll get to your first Okay. Okay. I'm going chronologically now. Okay. What did we have at home? (laughs) I don't remember the very first computer, but we had had Windows DOS computers because that's what my dad used at work. Mm. And um, so that's what like I had Like Lotus 1, 2, 3 kind of. I remember Lotus 1, 2, 3. Yeah. 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 So it, it did exciting things like spreadsheets. Yes. And you could print banners in all capital letters on mm. dot matrix printers. Mm. You know, mm. I liked the paper that came Tech out of the docs, dot yeah. matrix printers. Yeah. My dad used to bring home punch cards and we'd make stuff. Oh, did you ever? That's cool. I did not like get to play with punch cards. I wish I had. I no, would have loved them. Fun. Yeah. 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 Dot matrix paper, though. Yeah, you can tear the edges off, and you can fold them up into those little springy, you know, the square springy things. What do you call those? <laughs> Mark doesn't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, they were really fun to make. Yeah. I was really into making things. Computers okay. Computers were, like, I was very intrigued by the computer. I wanted the computer to be exciting. Mm-hmm. But the computers that I had were not that exciting. Yeah, DOS-based computers. Yeah, you had to like memorize a bunch of commands to even get Mm -hmm. to the game folder, and then the game folder rewarded you with something rather boring. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The internet finally came to your house, though. It did, eventually, shortly before. Were you still just all DOS, and it was a text-based internet? I think we had Windows by then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We had Windows by then. But yeah, the internet was cool. It was, again, a thing that like... I was intrigued by it and I wanted it to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But it was before Google. It was pretty it was hard to find things on the oh, internet sure, yeah. back then. You know, like I think we had like Alta Vista. Alta Vista, Lycos. Uh, yeah, we had like so we site. Yeah, there was like a page you would go to and you could like follow links forever. Yahoo. So yeah. so again, it was again kind of like I memorized the trail of links oh, that I wanted sure, to follow right. to the places I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And I found like interesting people were on the internet. Oh, that's true. (laughs) So, yeah, I found the Society for Creative Anachronism was the place I remember. Yeah, and so I I was reading, like, recipes for making your own mead Mm -hmm. and making your own I'm sure 99% of our viewers know what that is, but for those who don't, what Uh, what Oh, yeah, medieval honey-based wine. 
Oh, Society for what is the yeah, Society for yeah. Creative Anachronism? I thought you were asking about Mead. Oh no, everyone oh. knows what Mead is. Okay, wow, I don't know. Tell us what Mead is. I guess I don't. I didn't know. Yeah, medieval honey-based wine. That's, Sounds great. That's I've, I don't know if I've ever actually tasted it, but reading the recipes was interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Society for Creative Anachronism is an interesting group of people. I have never actually belonged to them, although I've known a few members. I think you kind of pick a historical persona. And you do like really intensive research on what that person's life was like and what they would have worn. And you make your costume to be like completely historically accurate. And you hmm. go to conventions. And it sounds like pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're into textiles and costumes and, mm -hmm. and history, it's pretty yeah. cool. I'm into other people making me costumes. <laughs> so you went to school. I did. A lot of years of school. A lot of years of school. Linguistics, though. In college. Yep. That yeah. was my major. Uh-huh. What, what turned you into a ling linguistics student? Um, love of writing, of language? Of... I did love writing. I've always loved language. I mean, I, I remember as a kid, like, puzzling over why some plurals are different than others, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. just thinking about it and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was really interested. And then I think at some point in high school, I had like a gift card for Christmas and went to Barnes & Noble and like found this shelf of linguistics books ah, yeah. and bought myself like... I don't know. I think it was like a guide to old English and like an introduction to linguistics uh -huh. and decided that I might want to major in that. I had a couple different ideas of things I wanted to major in, but that was probably my favorite. And that's what I ended up going with. If, if I were to go back and I'm not, but if I were, I would strongly consider linguistics. It yeah. just sounds like so much fun. It was really cool. I mean, it's like yeah. a lot of puzzles. Yeah. And, and puzzles plus history. Yeah. And human yeah, systems like, I mean, language is very systematic, mm -hmm. but it's also built up by a society of humans who right. are not rational and consistent all the time. So it's kind of organic yeah. systems. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's, it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Interesting. You didn't stick with academia. No. You actually I, went out into the job market at, at some point. Yeah. Right um, after undergrad, I did not want to keep going with yeah, academia. Okay. Yeah. So how did that go as a fresh graduate? Um, so, yeah, major. well, I, I was not just a linguistics major. I was a linguistics major with a minor in computer science uh -huh. okay. because uh, my father had told me that he was afraid I would starve if I was just a linguistics major. And I Probably had right. to take at least one computer science course because I, I had always been very opposed to the idea of studying computer science. I honestly couldn't tell you now why. Hmm. I think I thought it would be boring. Yeah. And I took one course and loved it. <laughs> And was like, oh, no, it's too late in my college career to major in computer science. Uh -huh, right. I can only get a minor. So mm. I got a minor. Yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah. So then when I graduated, I was looking for tech jobs because those pay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was just before the dot-com bust. Oh, okay. Yeah. Demand for labor was high. Uh, yeah. Although, you know, it's still pretty tough to get your first job out of college. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I, I remember I did end up getting a somewhat technical job. And I remember, like, I, I mean, I was always sensitive about like did I have the technical credentials to get a job mm. or to do a job well right I guess do I figured you I could would do have been job. less sensitive if you had majored in computer science or do you, you know, think I th you still would have felt I that think way? so although I, I like I don't know if it would have mattered really mm -hmm. anyway so you're sensitive about having the technical skills get hired right out yeah of school, yeah so sure. like in interviews I, I was always like making sure to emphasize that what I did have in, in mm -hmm. my technical background and then a few years later i ended up shifting over to a different job that was that was more like technical based writing okay 
And I remember being in that interview and I was still doing the like focusing on the technical background kind of thing. And then the interviewer asked a question and I realized, oh, like they think I can't write. Like <laughs> they're afraid that anybody with technical skills can't write English <laughs> that anyone would want to read. <laughs> and suddenly you're super confident because like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that. oh, no, totally. I can write. Like I've been <laughs> writing forever, like way before I got into computers. Yeah. Oh, so, awesome. so anyway, that was that was a funny shift, though. Mm -hmm. People sometimes talk about imposter syndrome. Yes. You know? um, is, is that something you still uh, feel at all? I think sometimes. I mean, I, doesn't everybody sometimes? A lot of people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like to pretend that pretty much nobody does except for the people who say that they do. Oh, But okay. the fact is, yeah, everybody yeah, does. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. That's a terrible way to tease people, though. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something that I definitely always struggle with. But, you know, I, I think I try to focus now in my older and wiser mm. years on just being curious about the problem in front of me and doing the best that I can. Yeah. And, yeah. Makes sense. So let's fast forward through all your jobs because whatever, it's always <laughs> just jobs. How did you actually come to Omni? As we said earlier, it was just right before me, 2014. Yep. What were you doing? What? Yeah, how'd so... You land here? I had actually been out of the workforce for seven years after my first child was born. I was not enjoying the job I was in, and, and so I left mm -hmm. and was home with my kids for a while. I, I had two little kids at that point, and we moved to Seattle, and I had started – I guess I had already – I had one app on the App Store okay. um, before we moved to Seattle, and I had some ideas for other ones that I was working on, and I was also expecting a third child. Wow. And really wanted to ship this major app that I was working on mm -hmm. before. That's a whole lot of that shipping sh of <laughs> two different ways. Yes, yeah. yes. So when we moved here, I started going to the NS Coders meetup on Tuesday nights. Okay. Um, and really enjoyed the camaraderie there and also got a lot of help from some really great people. Um, and did manage to ship my app before my baby was born. Mm -hmm. And also right before my baby was born, Omni advertised an engineering position. Ah. And, you know, pe people, a lot of people at NS Coders are Omniites. Yeah. Yeah. Omni people get around to these yeah. things for sure. Yeah. So they, they mentioned the, the job. And I remember reading the job description and being like, wow, if I wasn't just about to have a baby, hmm. this would be like my dream job. This sounds amazing. Yeah. Right. And fairly quickly that turned into, oh, maybe I should just apply for this, mm. you know, because... Like, I'm not going to get it anyway. Learning right. experience. Yeah, learning yeah. experience, interview experience, and, right. and why not go for it, right? Mm -hmm. So two, th three days before the interview, my baby came a week earlier than I was expecting. So we postponed the interview. Okay, good, because yeah. the rest of the story was going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a little weird, but I won't, I won't right. subject you to that. <laughs> and the interview was really fun. Did yeah. you find that with your, your yeah, interview here? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a really enjoyable experience, which... <laughs> I think it says something about Omni. And then I went home. And then they offered me the job. Nice. And I asked, okay, but can I start in three months? Because I just had a baby. <laughs> and they said yes. And yeah, it worked out. And there you go. Worked out really well. Oh, that's pretty nice. There's a very nice uh, nursing and pumping room here. Yeah. I Believe it or not, I've actually been in that room. Yeah, it's a great room. To, to my surprise. Not for those reasons. But I've been in that <laughs> I room. can imagine. <laughs> So what were your apps on the App Store like? 
Uh, the first one was a to-do list app. Mm-hmm. Sure, strong competition. We had to buy you. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely really strong competition. <laughs> that started out, I just wanted something simple on my phone to be able to keep a grocery list and, and organize it by aisle. It was really funny listening to the Tags podcast oh, yeah, recently because right. you were talking about that use case. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I was trying to solve that problem yeah. a while ago. Uh, so yeah, I dove right into the deep end of table views and trying to make them do things that the system wasn't necessarily table intending. Views 99% of yeah. iOS apps. Yeah. So it was definitely like a, a learning by fire hose kind of a situation, but I like that. I like jumping into new things. Cool. And then uh, the others are knitting apps. Knitting apps. So tell me more about knitting. We have a lot of knitters here. Yeah, are we you do. the first knitter? No, not, a, not at all. There was a whole circle whole of knitters before I got here. Of knitters. Yeah. All right. Some of them were testers for my app before I joined up, actually. Wow, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. What do you like about knitting? I think a lot of engineering-minded people are attracted to knitting because it's a very mathematical and algorithmic kind of a craft. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read a knitting pattern or you try to write a knitting pattern, it's it's very much like reading code or writing an algorithm. You definitely need to do a lot of math to figure out how to make something the right size. Oh, sure. You know, the right shape. My wife does quilting, so it's yeah. very similar. A lot of yeah. geometry, a lot of math. Yeah. And she loves that part. I yeah. think it's her favorite part. Yeah. I love quilting, too. I've seen some of her quilts. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it's also just, it's a really tactile mm-hmm. process. And like I said, I, I wasn't really all that into technology as mm-hmm. a kid. I was much more focused on physical crafts. So making sewing and knitting things. and making yeah. things. Yeah. Things with paper, things mm-hmm. with yarn. Yeah, so I like the tactile nature of it. And it's also very, it can be contemplative. It fills space. You know, you mm-hmm. can listen to podcasts. You can watch TV. You can mm, sure. be a passenger in a car and be knitting and make nice things that people actually want to receive as gifts, which is cool. Uh, my yeah. my wife makes quilts for people, and I think there's a connection there mm-hmm. as you're working on it or whatever. Do you yeah. feel that same kind of thing? Yeah, I really, I love making something that I know is intended for someone that I care about. And mm-hmm. as you're making it, you're thinking about them. And so that's a lengthy amount of time to be contemplating that person yeah. that you love. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool thing. Well, my notes become unbelievable at this point, but it says <laughs> something here about you digging a bog in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, that was my little, the project of the last two weeks was digging okay. a bog in my All backyard. Right. What's a bog? What's it for? Why in your backyard? Um, what, I, what is a bog? A bog, well, I mean, gosh, I'm sure there's a scientific definition of a bog. In my opinion, I'm, I'm using bog to describe a consistently wet spot. Okay. Yeah. Rectangular? It is not. No. Okay. Because it could have been the sixth. It could have. Rectangle. But, you know, in my landscaping, I, I'm not so rectangular. Okay. Yeah. I actually inscribed a partial ellipse by tying a rope around a little tree <laughs> and sticking a stake in the ground next to it and having a string and, you know, yeah. So nice. that, that was as geeky as I got right. with that. So it's, it's sort of a curvy shape. So it's a curvy, wet yeah. shape. What's it for? It's because it turns out that our house was built on top of a underground stream. Mm. So our house is essentially sitting in water. Okay. And we have a basement that we've now finished. Mm. My, my office is down there. That's where oh, I work right. from. So we have a sump pump. Mm-hmm. And in wet periods, it pumps out several gallons like every 15 minutes. Wow. And in drier periods, I'd say it's still once an hour. Mm. So we had this put in a year ago. Okay. And there was a consistently wet, muddy 
large expanse in the backyard hmm. and our dog and our kids would get covered in mud and <laughs> so I thought okay we'll we'll dig it out and we'll confine it and uh-huh. we'll put some really porous dirt in there plant okay. some plants and hopefully contain contain the, the mess. mud and yeah. everything yeah. and the plants will hopefully keep the kids out it won't yeah. work on the dogs but and hopefully the plants will be I mean they're they're interesting we we went and got some native plants and oh, so okay. Hopefully we'll get some butterflies and hmm. yeah. I have a bird feeder outside my window. The birds will probably like this. Too. Oh, nice! I like do you get hummingbirds in, in your area? I, we do get them in our area. I haven't seen them right around my house yet, uh, but okay. maybe, maybe cool. someday soon. Yeah. Can't go any further after digging a bog. So okay. <laughs> I'm gonna call a halt to this. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosca. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.